Libertarians want to abolish most things, but do the American people? And Trump trolls the media, or does he? This is a propaganda report, Drive Time News Blast. I am Brad Binkley. The libertarian position for those running for office, whether it be presidential or, or any local office, is abolish most things. Abolish the Fed, the IRS, abolish the CIA, Social Security, Medicare, the FBI, you name it, they'll abolish it. Which, for members of the Libertarian Party, is totally exciting and they can get fired up about. But what about people who are not already members of the Libertarian Party, the people who Libertarians must reach in order to grow their party and really make some noise uh, on the mainstream level? How do those people feel about these agencies and programs that Libertarians promise to abolish? Do they also want to get rid of them, or does the thought of getting rid of these programs and agencies and or agencies, does it scare them because they feel that they benefit personally from them uh, and that maybe they'd be worse off in their own lives if these things were gone, especially if there is not a clear alternative that they can buy into that will make them feel good about, you know, saying, yes, get rid of this thing that I think benefits me because I believe this is going to be better, which is a hard sell because even as how as human psychology, even if we are comfortable in something that we don't love, but is okay. The thought of getting rid of that is still scary to us if we aren't so super confident that the thing is going to replace it or, or the alternative situation is going to be much, much better for us. Per, we, uh, humans are selfish. Humans are great, but we're also selfish. We need to know how things are going to affect us, affect us and our families personally. So I'm going to start the show off today. If you're not into this, you can skip forward to some of the stories. But I co-moderated the Libertarian presidential primary debate this past weekend, and I'm not a Libertarian. I'm not anything. I think the moment that you say that you are part of a party, then people start to not people in the party because all the parties infight, but people outside the party start reacting to you only as the stereotype that they perceive of that party. I am nothing. But if I were something, it would probably be libertarian. And I've been thinking about this a lot lately because I think libertarians are better than the other parties. I've been thinking about how can they reach a broader audience because the message is right now. Because I spent a lot of time around progressives and theater and comedy, and Republicans as well, living in Georgia. The libertarian message is not connecting with either one of those groups for the most part. Not in a serious way anyway. And I've been thinking about what can they do to reach outside their bubble and connect with some of these people who I personally know, and I think in their own lives, are libertarians in the way that they behave. But as soon as these language landmine triggers come up, they fall into their ideological bubbles where they think they're supposed to be. And I've been thinking a lot about how the communication strategy for libertarians could penetrate those bubbles and burst them and, and, and awaken them and maybe bring some new members to the Libertarian Party. So I want to go through some of these surveys, which I know surveys are often they can be biased and they they can be used for propaganda but i still think there's a, some value in them i personally i would ask people when i was out on the campaign trail and say how do you feel about social security what what do you feel it benefits you how do, how do you feel it benefits you what are the negatives to it i would want to talk to people in a way to where they eventually came to the conclusion themselves that oh my gosh i just realized that, that this social security that i'm i'm dependent on has been it's been enslaving me and I thought it's been helping me. And then you as the politician can go and I will get rid of it for you and free you from that slavery. Like that's the ideal situation is they come to the conclusion themselves and you're right there saying exactly I'm going to help you get out of that. And I know that's a lot easier said than done, but this is why I want to do this little exercise here. And, and I think it, I think it's helpful to to do some of these surveys, you know, taking them with a, a, a grain of salt when you look at who's behind them and whatnot. Nevertheless, the one that I mentioned in the debate is this one here, which is from the Pew Research Center. And it was conducted on March 30th of 2023. I tried to stay within the past year. And this one found, it has here, the unfavorable rating and the favorable rating and the not sure rating of how Americans feel about various federal agencies. And you can see down here where my cursor is, 
that the Federal Reserve, 37% of Americans view the Federal Reserve unfavorably. Only 37%. 43% view it favorably. 20% are not sure. A little, little bit of a, a sidetrack here. There was another survey that I read, which I don't have up right now, that determined when they the way they asked the question that around 30% of people have no clue what the Fed federal agent or Federal Reserve does. And like 80% of people just have a little bit of a clue. And, and a very small percentage of people were actually informed about what the Federal Reserve does. So that that's an obstacle right there. You know, your 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 platform is I'm going to abolish the Federal Reserve. Yet 80 percent of the people don't really know what the hell it does. Well, you got to start somewhere else. You, you can't tell them you're going to abolish something that they don't really know how it affects them. It's like you, you got to inform. You got to do the the AIDI is the marketing thing, which I I believe uh, if I remember the acronym correctly from my marketing days, awareness. You got to create awareness. You got to create intrigue. You got to create desire. Des well, it's a little different here. But maybe the desire to know, and and then action, and the action in this situation would be: I'm gonna, I, I realize, I, I now have the desire to get rid of this thing because you have uh, made me aware of the problems that it causes in my life. AIDI is that acronym, but so you're you're starting about three or four steps ahead when you tell someone who doesn't know what the hell the Federal Reserve does that you're going to abolish it. They're like, oh, okay, yeah, all right. Well, help them understand, and so that that's like. How do you help them understand? And so you see here, going back to this, 43% of people, I'm going to abolish the Federal Reserve. 43% of people are going, I like the Federal Reserve. What 43% of the people that is, I don't know. They might not even know why they like the Federal Reserve. They might have no idea. They might just like the way it sounds. Or they might have saw the building once and said, oh my gosh, I like that building. We have no idea. So that 37% of people who view it unfavorably are probably Mostly already libertarians, if I had to guess. And the 20% of the people who are not sure, they just don't know what the hell's going on. So you look at these other federal agencies too, which libertarians promise to, to abolish. You have the IRS. That's your best option right here. 51% of Americans in this survey, which this survey was, how many people were in this survey? It's usually like 1,500 people in most of these surveys. It doesn't say the number right here. Again. Survey could be propaganda in and of itself, but at least the way they ask the questions, and this seems like a pretty, pretty neutral question, I guess. I, I like these surveys, but I don't because they're so controlled. I don't know. I'm not going to go into that. I'll, I'll talk about that another time. I've done plenty of shows on uh, survey propaganda. The IRS, 51% unfavorable, 42% favorable. So that's your best bet for winning over uh yeah people are like let's abolish the irs you got half of america cia only 33 percent of americans view it unfavorably only 33 percent. they probably are unaware of the involvement of the cia in foreign wars 46 percent of them view it favorably 21 percent don't have a clue what the hell the cia is doing and then you have the department of education at 47 percent unfavorable and then homeland security 35 percent department of transportation 36 Department of Justice, 41% unfavorable. 49% view it favorably. FBI, only 36% of Americans view the FBI unfavorably, and 52% of Americans view it favorably. What the hell is wrong with 52% of Americans is what a lot of us are screaming. CDC, only 38% of Americans view it unfavorably. 56% view it favorably, according to this study. I don't know that I buy that fully. NASA, not I can see NASA because NASA's are all, you know, it's always projected up there as being oh, NASA, we're gonna go to space. But the Social Security Administration, you have 28% view it unfavorably, according to this study in March of 2023, and 61% view it favorably. Now, a major platform for the Libertarian Party is abolish Social Security. But you have 61% of the public that views it favorably. And I have a couple of other studies that uh, shines a little bit more light on that. So that's the challenge there. How do you help people who are dependent on something 
recognize that the thing they're dependent on, it's like a drug, they think that they need is enslaving them. And I give Hornberger, uh, you know, a lot of hell for the way he made this argument before where he said, you, you know, you can cut off Social Security. At the, you can just cut off right away. Everybody be fine. Everybody be fine. No, you know, they'll be fine because the, the, the slaves were fine right after the Civil War. He made I, I feel like he was trying to make the argument that social, social Security enslaves people, but he didn't make it that way. Maybe he just had a couple of bad days in, in framing his argument. But how, how do you make people who are enslaved recognize they are enslaved and recognize if they cut the cord, they'll be better off? That's the challenge. I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. Let's move on to the next survey here. Everybody loves the National Park Service, by the way. Those guys are doing a fantastic job with 81% favorability rating. Now, this one here is from... What is this from? All right, this is from uh, January 20... This is from this year, actually. I think this is a good one. Most Americans feel they pay too much in taxes. That's a pretty... Yeah, no, no shit, Sherlock. The numbers here were most say federal income and local property taxes are unfair. And this is a UChicago Harris poll percent of U.S. adults who say the following taxes are either somewhat or either very or somewhat unfair or very or somewhat. Wait, the gray bar here you see is very or somewhat fair, actually. Excuse me. And then the purple bar is very or somewhat unfair. So, 60% of Americans view the federal income tax as very or somewhat unfair. That's good. I think it should be a little higher. Local property tax, 59% of Americans view it as very or somewhat unfair. State income tax, 53% of Americans view it as very or somewhat unfair. State sales tax, 52% view it as very or somewhat unfair and federal social security tax 51% view it as very or unfair. So you're good on taxes. The the tax message, which is why the Republicans and the Democrats run on it. Well, Republicans mostly, but the Democrats sometimes too, depending on the way they frame it, because it's a, it's something that everybody hates, or at least over half of the people hate. So good on that, that message there. And libertarians are going to be the best on that message. Abolish all that shit that's taking all your money away. Inflation's high. Put money back in your pocket. All right, here's one from, and there's a couple more that get to that in a little bit of a different way in a second. This one is from October 12th of 2023. And this is government agency ratings. It says they remain largely negative. Let's see what they find here. Make that a little bit bigger. So, all right. How would you rate the job being done by each of these federal government agencies is the question here. And uh, let's get down to the the Department of Defense. 15% of Americans think it's doing excellent. The Department of Defense is doing the best job. Who, who, Who says that? Who that's not working at the Department of Defense is like the Department of Defense is doing an excellent job. No random American is sitting around drinking coffee in the morning who just, you know, is like a a basketball coach or maybe works at a coffee shop going, you know, I was just thinking about how great of a job the Department of Defense is doing. Uh, These people don't exist. These are all, they asked everybody who works for Mayorkas or whoever the head of that thing is. I I can't remember. Blinken. NASA and the U.S. Space Agency, 17% say do an excellent job. But the Department of Defense, you also have 38% say they're doing a good job. And then 30% say they're doing fair. And then only 17% say they're doing a poor job. FEMA, you have 19% saying they're doing a poor job. 32% 32% saying they're only doing a fair job. And a very small percentage say no opinion. The CIA, 29% say the CIA is only doing a fair job. So to me, it's people who answer that way, they don't really know. But they just, they don't, they feel like, they, they feel like they should know because they'll feel stupid if they say no opinion. 
I just don't see some. How do you think the CIA is doing? I, I just doing a fair job. The question you have to ask before this is, what do you think the CIA does? Do you know what the duties of the CIA are supposed to be? I, I, I'd be willing to bet that most people ask this question don't know. And this is kind of what I'm talking about. It is to know that an agency is causing a problem in the world and in their lives personally, they have to understand what the role of these agencies are supposed to be. And, and I'd be willing to bet that most people don't. And they don't usually ask that question. The FBI. We have 10% say the FBI is doing an excellent job. So those are the 10 dumbest people on the planet or uh, the FBI employees. 36% say a good job. 25% say only a fair job. And then you have 28% saying the FBI is doing a poor job. So libertarians, we're going to abolish the FBI. Only 28% of the people are going to be excited about that. How do you help the rest of them understand this group? So this group here in the light green, the 25% who say only fair, I feel like that's probably a winnable group. How do we identify them? Talk to them, ask them. Ask them how they feel before telling them what you'll do for them. I think is the best strategy. The Department of Homeland Security, you have 30% say it's only doing a fair job. 27% say a, a poor job. CDC, you got 24% only fair. 34% say the CDC is doing a poor job. So the CDC's uh, unlikability ratings have gone up over the past year, which is a good thing. Skipping down. Federal Reserve, 6%. The, the 6% of people say... Oh, yeah, the Federal Reserve is the best. I love them. Love them. I'd let the Federal Reserve have sex with my wife, is 6% of the people. And yeah, 30% say they're doing a good job, and 37%, they're doing okay. So these people don't know. And then you have 25% say they're doing a bad job. That's kind of similar to the 37 a little bit lower than the 37% who view it unfavorably from before. And the IRS... You got 6% of idiots think they're doing a great job. 37 say they're doing only fair job, and 33% says they're doing poor job. So the highest, the poorest job is the Department of Justice. I, I just don't think people they ask have a clue how to differentiate any of these, these agencies. There's so many of them. You're trying to live your life. You're trying to pay bills, put food on the table, and, and you're supposed to also know the different duties of all the what feels like hundreds of agencies that, that the government has. I mean, there's a presumption of knowledge that comes with these questions that I just don't think people have. And I think that the government and the two-party system, the duopoly, as I've learned it's, it's called by libertarians, relies on that ignorance of these, these agencies. So I think part of the libertarian solution to reaching them is informing the public as best they can on the functions, what the functions are supposed to be of these agencies that the Democrats and Republicans depend on, on the wider public not having a clue about. I think that's one way you, you defeat these people is you simply inform the American public and through that information, they will realize themselves, oh my God, I had no idea that they're raping me. Moving on to the next one. This one is from April of 2023. And the headline is why government decision makers can't ignore the public trust. Of course, they can. Americans have been losing trust in the government for at least 50 years. So a lot of this stuff is related to the Klaus Schwab World Economic Forum stuff, too, which I've been talking about for years. They're, they're trying to rebuild trust. It says, here's what to know about communicating with the public in this environment. Over the past 50 years, Americans have lost trust in government. Trust in uh, federal agencies vary. Some agencies are more polarizing than others. And even as many trust the CDC, uh, pandemic polarization still shows. It better still show. And message queuing has affected the public's trust in the CDC. So those are, those are words, that language landmines, as I call them, that trigger opinion in one way or another and shut down conversation. What I want to show you guys here. Okay, so here's trust in federal agencies. How much trust do you have in, in, if any, in information, news, or guidance from the following organizations? That's the question. The CDC, 57% of people, what do you mean? What does that mean? 
People have 57, 57% worth of trust. I'm not quite sure what that number means there. It says here the Food and Drug the CDC and the Food and Drug Administration ranked as the most trusted. That's that's stupid. I mean, it's really dumb for those to be the most trusted. About three in five Americans trust information, news, or guidance from the FDA or CDC. That's at least it's only three in five, but it should be less than that. Fewer Americans are confident in information and guidance they receive from the Department of Veterans Affairs. Who know? Like who receives information from the Department of Veterans Affairs other than veterans? So that's a biased question. Now, veterans might not trust it, but I, I don't know if I should trust it or not. I, I'm not a veteran. It, it should say veterans trust it. Also, fewer believe the Federal Reserve. So that's good. But they are still trusted by around half Americans. I, I don't think that's what I wanted to show you on here. What was it? I'm not sure. Hold on. Most trust the CDC, but important differences exist. How much do you, how much trust do you have, if any, in information about health topics from the CDC? Says 62% of Americans have total trust. That's really not good if you have total trust in the CDC that has been proven to lie. Republicans, 46% trust, independents, 63%, and Democrats, obviously, 86% trust the CDC. Why did Democrats love the government so much? Why? Didn't they used to distrust the government? I thought that that's how it used to be. Now, maybe I'm thinking independents or people who used to claim to be independents anyway, who have become Democrats. 46% have not been vaccinated against COVID in the past year. 80% have been vaccinated or boosted in the past year. How is that? Those numbers don't really work out, do they? It's weird. Those are weird numbers. All right, I'm skipping that. I, I don't, I'm not sure why I, I got that one. That one was, there was something there I wanted to show you guys, but I don't know exactly what it was. This one here is from April of 2023, and it is a AP Newark University of Chicago poll or survey says younger generations are not confident that Social Security or Medicare will be there for them, which the libertarians talk about a lot. It's not going to people paying into it right now who are under 40, not going to get the benefits of it. That seems pretty clear. But how do you cut it off, right? Especially when Americans feel the way they do about it. And you'll see what I'm talking about in this poll here. Support for cutting entitlement benefits is low. A majority support a tax increase to bolster Medicare. 79% of Americans are they, they oppose reducing the size of social security benefits. 15% of them neither favor nor oppose it and 6%, only 6% favor reducing the size of social security benefits. 75% oppose raising social security eligibility to age 70. 70% Oppose raising Medicare eligibility to 67. 67% oppose increasing Medicare premiums to 67. Excuse me. 67% oppose increasing Medicare premiums with 22% opposing it. Or wait, 22% neither opposing nor favoring it and 10% favoring it. That is increasing Medicare premiums again. And uh, 23% oppose tax increases for $400,000 plus households to pay for Medicare, while 19% are neither in favor or oppose that, and 57% are in favor of tax increases for 400K households to pay for Medicare. So this goes completely against the position of the libertarians. And it's one of those things where it's like, Logically, you'll probably have a conversation with most of these people and they'll agree with you that it's slavery and it's socialism. But they'll also still maintain these positions because they are a family member of theirs 
are in some ways dependent on it and they don't know what they do without it. How do you communicate confidence? How, how do you build confidence in people that will change these numbers? That's the question. I don't know the answer to it, but that's the question. What can you demonstrate? I presented something to some of these guys in the Libertarian Party about all the candidates and whatever office they're running for doing a challenge where they make day-in-the-life videos. Day-in-the-life before you live in a libertarian society versus day-in-the-life after. Showing people with their own eyes and ears how these problems will get solved in a visual, visceral way. Because right now, you just have words that uh, they're not doing the trick for people. So showing the before, the problems, yeah, they're getting by, but it's also creating these these dependencies that they're never going to escape from. And, and they're going to limit their, their capability and potential. And then show them the after that gives them that confidence. I think that that's a good idea. Down here you have, this shows some of the number breakdown because there's definitely a difference in people who are over 45 versus people who are under. Adults over 45 strongly oppose reducing social security benefits. 70% of people who are 45 and under oppose reducing the size of social security benefits. Wow, even people who are under 45. And then 88% of people who are over 45 oppose reducing the size of social security benefits, while 57% of people under 45 oppose increasing Medicare premiums, while 20, 76 who are over oppose increasing those premiums. And yeah, it's just, it's not, it's a tough argument to make for the libertarians. People get it intellectually, but emotionally, emotionally, they, they're not willing to, they, they, they don't have that bridge that will give them the confidence to cut the rope. And this is the, the evilness of the system. Like, we all know this. This is why it's evil. It's because it creates this fear. They think that they're going to step off the ledge and there's going to be nothing there. But libertarians are telling them there's going to be a bridge there, there's going to be a bridge, but they, they don't believe them at an emotional level. Not enough to make them step off. Even despite the fact, yeah, this number here, that only 17% of people are very confident who are under the age of 45 in the future of Social Security or Medicare. 48% are not confident at all. So, like, despite half of them are not confident, yet still, 70% of them oppose reducing the size of the benefits. They get it. They get it intellectually. How do you help them feel it? This is a question I'm asking and I'm posing to you who, who are libertarians who are listening. Libertarians are creative people, maybe autistic, but creative. Under 45 years old, though. Wait, which one was that one? Okay, so that breaks down. That was overall. Under 45, 38% are not confident in Social Security and Medicare's future. 24 are. 60% of people who are under, that was over, 60% of people who are under are not confident, 10% are. It's, there's nothing to be confident about. Those people are misinformed who are. Moving on, now we have Two Americas Index, Hands Off Social Security and Medicare. This is from March of 2023. Should share of U.S. adults who say they oppose reducing spending in select areas 88% of Americans, according to this poll, say they oppose reducing spending in Social Security and Medicare. 66% say they oppose reducing spending in military. So, they, I mean, people want – they want to keep spending military also. So that one poll here, where Republican candidates align with most Americans and where they don't. So this is focused on Republicans, but it's still relevant to Libertarians. This is, where is this? This is December 13th, 2023. This one's more recent. And, uh, okay, those who hold the following positions are more out of step with most Americans, it says. 
Where's the social? Those who want to cut Social Security and Medicare to address national debt, 62% said don't do it. And this is a libertarian position. Cut Social Security and Medicare, address national debt. There's also some positions to cut the military to address national debt. 62% oppose it. I've made my point. I've beaten my point to death here. You guys get it. What's the solution here? So this is me coming back after my camera had been frozen for I don't know how long. If it was frozen for too long, then I got rid of my uh, shot overall. And you're just looking at the screen the, before this. But what I was saying before that happened was the solution for libertarians, in my opinion, is coming up with a better way to make people feel the emotional impact of the problems that the current system is causing in their lives and then making them feel how much better it would be and how much freer it would be with their solutions. Because if people could feel that, then they would vote libertarian. It's as simple as that. But the messaging and the telling them we're going to abolish this, we're going to abolish that, you're going to live in a freer society. People don't know what that means. They don't know what that means. One person's freer society is another person's prison. You know, it's easy to spin words like that. You have to give them something visual and visceral. And, and I think what I suggested is, is one idea, a day in the life video challenge among the candidates. Show them what it's like before and the problems it caused, maybe in ways they don't see, and what they're missing out on. FOMA, like, like mi fear of missing out is a big thing. Highlight that FOMA, how the current system is causing them to miss out on all these opportunities that they've been led to believe that they could never take advantage of. And then show them what a day in the life of a libertarian society is where they are no longer having FOMA because they're doing so much better and they are actually experiencing that freedom in a way that releases those endorphins in their brain. And they can feel it and they can see it and they can believe it. That's one idea. Probably a lot of other ones as well. Moving on past that libertarian stuff and a couple more stories before we get out of here. This story here, I thought was interesting. We'll go through this real quick. There's a woman, we, well, all these airplane stories now. I don't like flying anyway, but they clearly don't want people flying because the air has become a nightmare. The nightmare up there is what it is. From the New York Post, Fron Frontier Airlines flyer who flashed her anus and genitalia hit with federal charges. I, I think if you flash your anus and your genitalia on the airplane, you might get federal charges. My, my question from the headline is, how do you even flash your anus? I, I mean, that, that requires a lot of tugging and opening. So you can't just really just flash your anus. It's, it's, it's buried beneath a, a, lot of, a lot of fleshy meat. Nobody flashes an anus. Story says, actually, there's a video. I don't want to see the video of the anus flash. A passenger aboard a Frontier Airlines flight from Orlando to Philadelphia has been slapped with federal charges after her caught-on-video meltdown when she flashed the cabin by pulling down her pants and underwear, cursed at the crew, and allegedly threatened to kill fellow flyers. Because that's what you do. You take your pants down, you rip your ass wide open, flash that anus, and then you run around with it open, threatening to kill. You're bent over, you're hunched over with your ass open, pulling it open, threatening to kill people. Like Ace Ventura, you're threatening to kill people with your asshole. That, that's what I'm imagining happened on this plane. Which, uh, that's, I, I don't know if that's a threatening technique. Maybe it works. A whole, you know, what if a whole plane of terrorists are threatening people with their assholes? They don't even have box cutters. They just have assholes of terror. Dulce Hureta, 60, had two cocktails during the November 20th flight, of course. Got out of her seat while the plane was about to land in Philly and announced, I have to pee according to a federal complaint obtained by the Post. A flight attendant identified as RG didn't want to give her full name because the asshole terrorist might find her at home, kill her with her anus, told her, the, uh, the terrorist, that she had to sit out. But the woman began cursing before finally taking her seat during her outburst. This according to the FBI document. After the plane landed and was... Taxing the gate, Hiratus began cursing at passengers around her. 
and asked a flight attendant to call security to assist at the arrival. Hold on, let me reread that. She started cursing the passengers. Oh, and then the flight attendant called security for assistance. The captain was notified about the unhinged passenger and made an announcement instructing everyone to remain seated. Uh, if everybody could remain seated, we have we have a dangerous asshole on board. Just remain seated. Do what it says. Do what the anus says. At the gate, her anus allegedly pushed over passengers, pushed them out of the way as she went to the front of the cabin where she approached the lavatory. So she was going to pee, but she was stopped by the crew. There she is. This is a woman that has to piss is what it sounds like. And nobody, she had to piss so bad that she started threatening to kill people. We've all been there. I got to pee so bad, I will cut your throat. Everybody's been there. There she is pulling her pants down right there. Man, I feel sorry. I hope the person sitting right behind wherever that ass is got some uh, free tickets or something, some frequent flyer miles if they still do this. Sorry, everybody, she announced, then pulled down her pants and underwear, and she squatted as if to urinate in the aisle. Fellow traveler, not the communist kind, the airplane kind, Julia Vasho Hartman has shared a shocking video of the incident. Horatus displayed her anus and genitalia in front of the passengers, some of whom were chil children, it states. People screaming, covering their kids' eyes. At one point, the person behind the camera recording the confrontation was heard saying, that poor boy next to us. <laughs> Referring to a young boy across the aisle who viewed the woman's graphic display. So some poor kid had to see this woman's asshole. Oh, my God. There it is, fuzzied out. Disgusting. She had to pee, man. And there she is squatting right there. You can see the hip tattoo. This person's texting. I wonder what that person's texting. Yeah, my flight's uh, landing, but might be a minute. I, I would love to be able to zoom in on that text there. Despite the stooped stance, she stopped short of, her, of relieving herself on the floor. So she had stage fright. She had to pee, but she had stage fright. That's what I'm, that's what I'm hearing here. And she pulled her underwear and pants back up. So it was a false alarm. But then she allegedly cursed the passengers because she, I guess she was mad she couldn't do it. Horatius again approached the front of the plane and told flight attendant, let me pass, let me pass. Trying to get through the busy door. And then the flight attendant was concerned that Horatius would open one of the external doors and activate an emergency slide. I wish that would have happened. She could have slid down it urinating the whole way down would have been like a slip and slide Horatius used her they tried to block her from walking forward but this woman belly bumped him she she belly bumped him with her belly said get out of my way that's hilarious fly frontier yeah it should be an advertisement for fly frontier i mean honestly that's if I'm going to have a disturbance on a plane, that's the kind I'd like to have. That's like a hilarious kind of disturbance. Of course, I would like to not be sitting where the asshole was flashed. Would she fail to get by? Okay, so she tried to belly bump and trying to get by, which she couldn't get by. She then continued to yell and once again threatened to kill several passengers. Let me out of here or I'll belly bump you and I will kill everybody on this plane. So this is a complete mental breakdown here. And, and so this woman's facing like 23 years in prison for this because she just broke down because she had to piss so bad. And she, she's never learned to handle having to pee so bad. Like, look, it, it, it hurts and it sucks, but don't threaten to take down a plane. Do, I mean, imagine if she was in midair and she's squatting like that and the door just flies off. You know, some kid's shirt's getting sucked. Some, all the iPhones are flying out and pee is just going everywhere. All over. I mean, that would be a total disaster. She's been charged with indecent exposure in the special aircraft jurisdiction of the United States, interference with flight crew members and attendants in simple assault. And she is facing, this is from another article, but it's like 23 to 27 years in prison or something. Man, what are you in for? I showed my asshole on a plane. All right, well, moving on from that story. That is, 
getting kind of dicey up there in the in the skies. And I feel like we should hear more stories about flight from California to Florida went swimmingly. No problems whatsoever. Everybody on board was kind and the pilots, everybody had confidence in them. And the in-flight meal was delicious. We need more stories like that. Because I think there's a lot of flights that are going back and forth every day that are doing just fine. All right, a couple more. We'll get out of here. This is just one just for libertarians here. Party feud breaks out ahead of RNC meeting. This is just about the, what's that, younger turning point action group screaming in Las Vegas about how the Republicans aren't doing all the tricks the Democrats are doing. They need to step it up. So all of the parties are infighting. You don't do all, all of them are in fighting with each other. And then you have another one here about the training center here in Atlanta, which I asked Chase Oliver about during the debate. The not the yeah, the, the cop city thing. They they said you had some protesters yesterday chain themselves to construction equipment in midtown Atlanta. So this is the thing with these protesters. These protesters are young people usually. And I didn't have time to get into this during the debate, but they are organized by people who stand to gain politically. The organizers, Stacey Abrams is, a, is an example of an organizer, and I've documented how she screwed over a bunch of people who she organized who went to jail for a long time, some of them, while she gained politically off of manipulating them to go putting their bodies on the front line. This is what this is. These are young idiot kids who are being manipulated by organizers to do stupid things like this that is going to affect them for the rest of their lives because they don't have a father figure or they just need some attention and they're being exploited by these Bolshevik like organizers. The story is that a midtown Atlanta street was shot down or shut down, not shut down. After officials say two protesters chained themselves to construction equipment, protesters of the Atlanta public safety training center confirmed Monday morning that two of their fellow activists locked themselves to equipment at the work site on 12th and Juniper. 12th and Juniper? Is that where it is? No. Is that the same? Okay, so this is one of the head contract. Okay, so this was a contractor. This is at 12th and Juniper in Atlanta. It's right in downtown Atlanta. And they, they chained themselves to the uh, building of the head contractors is what it was. And they're also a donor to the Atlanta Police Foundation. According to the AJC, the activists used what police call a sleeping dragon. To lock their arms around the equipment, the device is made by placing an individual's hands inside the pipes that are bound together with other materials to make it more difficult for authorities to cut through and remove them from the pr- protest. So they're they're like risking their arms. They're, they're putting their arms in a position that makes it hard for them to cut them out. That's so stupid. What, they're not going to gain anything from this. Some of the activist might get like a job under whatever politician is organizing this, but most of them are just going to end up in prison or dead or shot. That's how it works. They're pawns is what they are. Both activists were charged with criminal trespassing and they're bailed out. They're bailed out and they're sent right back to do these things. As the scene unfolded Monday, a large group, of Atlanta Public Safety Training Center protesters cheered on the two chained up members from across the street. So yeah, maybe one of them will get laid from another they them and then spend, you know, they'll end up in in and out of jail for the next 15 years because they, the promises made to them won't be fulfilled. This is how it always always works. These These are pawns of the organizers. They don't know it. They do not know it. This is my problem with the activism at these sites. I, I don't care if you oppose cop city at all. Uh, what, what pisses me off is a manipulation of young idiots who do not have someone who, to guide them in their life. They target people who are easily manipulatable. And so I see victims here, not, not, not victims of the police, victims of the organizers. I would have loved to have gotten into this with Chase Oliver, but it, it was just, there was too much going on in the debate to focus on that one issue long enough. Because he is a champion of the stop cop city thing. I don't even give a shit about that. What I care about is, do you recognize what's going on with the manipulation of these activists into ruining their lives? The second incident is the second incident within a week involving a company that has worked on the Atlanta Public Training Center 
after the construction equipment belonging to Empire Zafri was set on fire. So they set some equipment on fire. You can't tell people they're being manipulated. They have to find out for themselves. It's like a con artist. You know, until you've actually known someone who is a true con artist, pathological liar, and you meet a lot of them in the theater community, you like don't believe it's real. But once you recognize it and you, you can prove that they're lying, the fact is you can't tell people. You can try, but they will see you as the jerk. And, and the manipulator who is okay being a psychopath and exploiting their emotions and pulling those strings, and, and typically good people aren't, they will believe them. It gets to a point where you can leave clues and you can – what I would do is I would ask questions that cause the manipulator, the, the psychopath, pathological liar, to contradict themselves in front of the people they were lying to so that those people would see it themselves. And that was effective, but it took time. And that's the challenge with stuff like this. We could tell these people they're being conned into ruining their lives. They won't believe it until they get screwed over officially. A couple more quick things. Got to get this one differently. Then we'll get out of here. So in the uh, DMBXR, and there's going to be a DMBXR. What I'm going to do is I'm going to show you guys. I edited together some of what we did. I don't think I said this already, but if I did, I apologize. In Covington at the Libertarian Georgia uh, Convention, me and my friend Josh, he plays fake Trump on the show. We got him a wig. We got him a hat. And we went and we had some fun. He did some line dancing. He did some singing with uh, uh, some women and men in their 70s. It was, it, was, it was a lot of fun. And he also interrupted the debate. And I put together a little rough cut of what he did. And I'm going to show you guys that in the DMBXR. So if you want to check that out, you can go to Propaganda Report uh, or patreon.com slash Propaganda Report. Subscribe there. Along with the DMBXR, you'll also get uh, this show ad-free. I'll put them together in one RSS feed, and it'll go straight into your podcast player. Uh, and if you're on Rockfin, you will get to see the the entire video ad-free as well. So check that out. Uh, website is propagandafight.com. Check me out, youtube.com slash Brad Binkley, rumble.com slash prop report, at Freedom Act Radio on Twitter. And uh, let's get to these last two things here, and uh, then we're going to get out of here. So I love this. So the Georgia indictment of Trump, the racketeering charge, which if you know anything about law and you've, you've read it, it's the most bogus thing you've ever read. But uh, Fannie Willis, she calls herself Fannie like she's French. She's not. It's Fannie. Uh, it, she, she is corrupt. Like people in Georgia know she's corrupt. Her corruption is being exposed here. And it, it, Trump's lawyer is accusing her of using public funds. So she hired her top attorney to prosecute Trump who she's banging is seems she hasn't denied that not even i mean she seems to be confirming it with her responses and he used a bunch of money that she paid him which is uh, uh public money that he's being paid from her and he took her on multiple vacations with it so multiple vacations we're paying for fanny wells with this guy she's having an affair with that is corrupt that that's not allowed and here is her in 2020. She's running for DA at the time, district attorney. She's asked why the people of Fulton County should vote for her. And I'll let you hear what she has to say. It's very ironic. The office between Washington, D.C. and Miami. And right now, the district attorney's office in Fulton should be the beacon of the Southeast. It should be the absolute best office between Washington, D.C. and Miami. And right now what you have is a office of dysfunction and corruption, and we deserve better. And I am the right choice to improve it. Corruption, uh, Ms. Willis, that's a strong word uh, to level against the office that Paul Howard has run for nearly a quarter of a century. If he, if he gets reelected, It'd be more than 25 years. You have a DA sitting there that doesn't have the qualifications and the experience to do the job. What I can guarantee you is with my reputation, with my community ties, I am going to be able to attract the best and the brightest minds to that office. You're sitting with someone today that actually wants to make a difference because they deserve a DA that won't have sex with his employees. Because they... <laughs> 
deserve a DA that won't put money in their own pocket when it should go to benefit children because we deserve better. So that's but, exactly what she did, obviously. And don't think I didn't notice the uh, the outfit on the interviewer there. She's definitely a little uh, she, she, showing some boob there. But that's what she's doing right now. And then you have uh, on the comments here, somebody says, what is her stance on FUPAs? And then uh, bet she's cringing over this. I don't think she is cringing over this. She seems to be shameless in her response to this. This is a corrupt woman. This is Batman-like villain, this, this woman here. Fulton County is one of the most corrupt places in the country. It has been for a long time. The former mayor of, of Atlanta, where Fulton County is, a few years back, won an award from uh, an investigative group. They give out this award every year for the most corrupt mayor in the country because Atlanta is full of corruption. And that is why she thrives here. She should be kicked off the case. Who's going to be put on the case? I, I don't know. I don't know. She's framed all of this as a racist attack, of course, because everything's a racist attack. But to get us out of here, this is the final thing I'm going to do, is Trump was trolling, or was he trolling? Some people don't know. When he was asked about the red marks on his hand, that I thought maybe he grabbed the wrong woman by the vagina. But here is him responding to a question about that. Those red marks we saw on his hand last week. Hand. It, it looks like it's better now. My hand? Yeah, remember what happened the other day? What was wrong with it? You didn't see the photos coming no. out of Trump Tower? No. It was, okay. What was wrong with it? The other one. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Do you want to tell us what happened with the hand? Nothing. Maybe it's AI. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it looks like it's better. Maybe it's yeah, yeah, he's joking there. I mean, he, at least he appears to be joking to me. But that's where we're going, though. There's some articles that are like Trump is claiming it's like, like as though he's not joking here. However, you know, this is what's going to happen now. So the deep fake people are going to claim things are deep fakes that aren't. There's going to be deep fakes of people doing things. It's going to be very hard to tell what reality is. We are going to a pretty wild future. And 2024 is going to be, I think, the beginning of chaos. Not, not that the past few years haven't been, but we're in for a wild ride the rest of the year. Thank you guys for listening. If you want to stick around for the DMBXR, I will be playing that experience from the Libertarian Convention with my friend who played Trump. And we actually talk about this very subject in some of the videos. The rest of you, we will talk to you next time. If you want to help out the show in other ways, you can let the ads play through. I appreciate that because we don't get anything unless you let the ads, ads play through. And we will talk to you next time. Have a fantastic rest of your day.